It is Kieran Trippier. It is delicious. Glorious, glorious England goal. Picture perfect. There is not a better strike than that. Wow, all those emotions we felt as Kieran Trippier knocked in that free kick in the World Cup semi-final against Croatia come flooding back just as everyone thought that we might just get through to the World Cup final. This week on the S Word podcast, we have Somerset and England's national cricketer, Don Bess. So, Don, welcome to the podcast. Can you just tell us where you were for that clip when Trippier scored that goal in the semi-final against Croatia? Yeah, so I was, I was actually down at the county ground. We had it on the big screen. It's probably about, I don't know, three and a half, four thousand people that came in to watch it at the um, county ground. And we were, I was with all sort of my teammates. We had a day off, so we were watching it there. A couple of beers and got some food in. And actually, at that time... We obviously all thought we were going to head head into the World Cup and clean it up, and yeah, it was that was scenes actually. I remember it going in and just beers flying everywhere. So was it? Sort of, everyone, everyone thought it was coming oh, home. I mean. It was. It was. It was. That, all that all that chance started out. Oh mate, it was so funny. I've got a couple of big sort of football fans. In fact, my housemate, the assistant S and C, he loves his football. Massive Bristol City footballer loves loves them um, and he was going nuts I remember like we were throwing up a beer and mate it was so funny oh, they, yeah. they, it does what, it does take us back was. yeah exactly it takes us back oh. to the time when everyone was just on top of the world beer gardens flooded I mean you'd think there were 3,000 people all watching it together just like yeah we're, it will come back have again have you seen the point. video the video from Hyde Park you know there's tens of thousands oh, of people yeah oh mate you do, like and now you think we're sat here all self-isolating. It's drastic times, isn't it? Exactly. Strange well, times. Different. It's a strange times. And as we're, as we're recording, you're bank holiday weekend. Sun, sun will be out. So all we listeners out there, stay strong. The times similar to the <laughs> similar to the semi-final Kieran tribute through kick goals will come again. So uh, stay strong. And going on to that, just topic about lockdown, Dom. How are you just how are you keeping yourself busy during this time? Managed yeah, to exercising so, at all? Yeah. So like. I find that with my sort of exercise and what I've got to do with my running and my strength sessions, fortunately, like I said, the assistant SNC is with me. So we've got a bit of gym kit at home. So we use it outside. But yeah, just trying to stay fit and sort of structure, um, structure my days and weeks around that sort of training. And then obviously out, outside of that, trying to sort of uh, get away from cricket and sort of I'm, I'm more looking into the property development side and um, I find property really interesting. Looking to hopefully sort of start that up, start a portfolio up, portfolio up, and crack on with that sort of outside the cricket. So it's quite a good time at the moment to um, get going with that. Cool, I'm very where, where, where are you looking to buy? <laughs> well, property tip I've got, place, I've got a place. Yeah, I've got a place in Taunton, but at the moment I'm doing a lot of research, sort of around, obviously around the country, looking at sort of. All the new train lines that are coming in. Um, <laughs> but, mate, to be honest, I'm quite open with it. And obviously, depending on what happens with my career, that's probably... I know I've certainly got a house down in Taunton that I'll like to keep hold of and I can rent out and slowly but surely sort of go up the ladder a little bit. God, you're very, you're very, very switched on for a young man looking at the property wow. ladder already. So, so. I, don't, I don't think people who know me quite well would say that. <laughs> or, or are your parents listening and they will need to tell them that you're keeping busy. Yeah, yeah. they'll be happy with that, actually. Um, but yeah, thank, thanks for coming on. I mean, um, 
your good friend uh, Jack Maunder mentioned that you might be keen to to come on, who was our guest on our first um, podcast for the S Word. Can you just say how how do you and Jack, for those who don't know, obviously plays for Exeter Chiefs, an England international rugby player. How do you and Jack know each other? Yeah, we go back a long, long time. So I think it was for about well, our fact, our dads played uh, at Exeter together. So um, they obviously knew knew each other and were good mates before we were obviously born way, way back. And then, funny enough, I think it was like 10 or 11, we went to East Devon cricket trials and sort of bumped into this lad, didn't know him, and sort of became quite friendly. And then obviously playing all through the cricket, all through the summers. Yeah, got to know him really well. And obviously our dads knew each other, so that helped. And then gradually I, I actually moved to the same school as him and yeah obviously playing every every cricket game really in the summer when we were youngsters um we became best friends and then sort of headed to school together fortunately I was they lived very close and I was lucky to um actually live with them for about five or six years I think uh, instead of boarding I, I stayed at his house so it's five days a week at his <laughs> house which was quite cool and it was great it was a great sort of time um, at school obviously going back there basically boarding at my best mate's house it was class the dream yeah. the dream and do you as an England uh, cricketer have much overlap with you know other England rugby players or England football players do you see them much or I think more it's more rugby to be honest so obviously playing trying to play all the sports when I was young and then obviously other lads playing cricket and rugby. I've come across quite a few. Um, so obviously I've got Jack as my best mate, Billy yep. Stull, um, who played plays for Wasps. He's, I think he's going to Worcester now. He was obviously a Devon boy, played cricket with him. So there's quite a few Bristol lads. And obviously getting to know Jack, I've known quite a few of the extra Chiefs boys now. So you sort of like get to know each other and obviously being a young sportsman, you might follow someone just out of interest on Instagram and sort of get, get through that sort of way. So. Unfortunately, to know quite a few people now, having Jack as best mates and we sort of obviously go out together, socialise together. Obviously, I come into contact with other lads and then other cricketers know other rugby lads. And it's, it's quite actually interesting how you sort of get to know each other. I, even my girlfriend, her best mate at college, she now goes out with Alex Brandt, who's at Harlequins. Yeah. Um, so I got to know him quite well, which was quite cool. And obviously, we stay in touch. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a small world. Almost. Obviously, living with a you know a rugby player as well. How does the banter between cricket and rugby are they similar or are they miles apart? You know, how does it compare? Yeah, it's some similar stuff, but obviously the rugby's always got this persona as like the lads and the, and all this, which I find quite funny. And when we when we were living together, it's yeah, I think it is different. It's very similar, but also quite different at times. I think obviously with the cricket, we um we spend a lot more time together. So when you're on tour and stuff, and I think the rugby, obviously there's always that well-known, like the socials and stuff and mm. how, what they, what goes on in there. So no, I, I quite enjoy listening to some of the stories he's got. And I think he's quite jealous of when I do go away to some nicer places in the winter. He, he quite likes to hear about that. Yeah, the rugby lads do. They like to, say how they're kind of like the lads of the kind of when it comes to the stories and all the as far I think especially the extra lads seem to have a, a reputation of kind of yeah they do very confidential yeah. stories happening down there um, or it might just be a southwest thing whether whether it happens <laughs> Somerset, Somerset cricket as well I'm not sure um so yeah you mentioned how Jack 
and Billy Sell both used to play cricket with you when you were younger. Did did you play any other sports when you were younger as well, or was it was cricket always kind of the the number one? Uh, I played, so I actually played played a lot of rugby when I was younger, a little bit of football, but to be fair, I I, I probably preferred rugby when I was younger. Um, I just probably wasn't as good, and then certainly at school, like the schoolboy rugby stuff was, I was really enjoyed, and we we had a very good side. So we played a bit of sevens as well, which was good, and I more more than anything, I sort of was probably a little bit better at cricket at the time. And I wouldn't say I was that even that good at cricket, sort of schoolboy stuff. And then um, I went away one winter and just sort of found it and got a lot better. But I certainly enjoyed my rugby. Um, and I've got quite a big rugby family. Dad and his two brothers all played. So that sort of generation always played rugby, bit of cricket. And then my cousins played a lot of rugby. So I've always grown up sort of with rugby ball in hand as well as a cricket bat. Nice, yeah. Well, I was thinking about when um, when you agreed to this podcast because we're I think we're, we're the same age, and I used to play um, under thirteen Dorset cricket as a little off spinner <laughs> back in the day as well. And uh, sadly, that was that was my last year from the county game. I'm not sure whether <laughs> whether you were playing in the the county age groups back then. We may have come across each other, and the yeah, the, coach, the coaches might have seen um, a proper off spinner and realised actually this guy's not going to go any further. So let's say <laughs> how, so how did they miss you, Wilson? How did they, how did you not go any further? <laughs> well, then the next year I wasn't even a bowler at all. I mean, Rory, you would you would know that. Oh, yeah. My off spinning days have gone way gone behind me. But, yeah, so did Your you cricketing days? <laughs> cricketing days. And <laughs> but yeah, so um, we may have come across each other at some point point in the past, uh, back in the day. I highly doubt that as well. <laughs> <laughs> we never know, to be honest. Especially yeah. Dorset. Who, oh, it's, funny, it's actually funny who you do come across. Did you ever go to Taunton Festival? Did Dorset ever go to Taun- the King's Taunton Festival? There always used to be one every year. And it's funny to see some of the, obviously some of the photos and the lads we've played with, like, like like we said, we we had a photo of myself, Jack, uh, Billy Searle, all in the team together. Ollie Daw, he's played um, for Bristol. And it's actually quite interesting how many people came out of our county uh, circuit, more on the rugby side than the cricket. But, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I mean, moving on to the actual cricket itself, Tom and Zach have obviously given us insight into their, their careers um, and their debuts. We just want to ask, what... Your debut, what was it like? And obviously it was pretty special. And can you just tell us your side of it, your views on how it went? I think particularly yeah, how it was at Lords, of course, wasn't it? So, I mean, how, yeah, what was yeah. that occasion like? Because that is something every kid must dream of growing up. Yeah, so I, I'd never played there before for sort of domestically. And it was all quite, it happened very quickly, actually. So the day of the announcement of the test size, I was playing a game and... Jack Leach got injured that day and I didn't think anything of it and obviously they I think they delayed the announcement or they might have announced I can't remember they I think they delayed the announcement for a couple of days because they had to find obviously a replacement at the time and I'd been going quite well did did well with the Lions and the A staff and yeah I, I was in I was in Ikea with my girlfriend looking at a couple of stuff and I think we just got dragged in with the meatballs and I was, yeah, I got a phone call to say that I was within the squad. So it was actually massively surprising. And then the, the, like, the next sort of three weeks was crazy. Making debut at Lords somewhere was very traditional. Um, everyone knows about it. I never had it on the cards and it was genuinely a dream come true. It was still a dream at times because 
even when I was getting a cap, it was like, I don't know how I've sort of done it. Who I've presented Bergen, the cap? Bergen, did you, did you? Yeah, uh, so Vic Marks presented the cap, ex-Somerset England um, off-spinner, actually. Um, Do you choose that? Funny enough, uh, so, good story about that, actually. They came and asked me, and I didn't realise it was for the cap. And they were like, oh, if anyone presented it to you, who would it be? And I thought it was just, the team manager, I thought he was just having a general conversation. I was like, oh, obviously would love Trescothic, Tres to do it. Obviously played with him, grew up watching him. Um, and yeah. unfortunately, he was ill at the time, so he couldn't do it. So they got in Vic, which again, I was very happy with. And yeah, I had, I had the had the cap and it, it went so quickly. But And in fact, the whole three weeks and two test matches I played in to start with went so quickly. And it was more about just trying to enjoy the enjoy the occasion. And the one thing I will remember is sort of day one, just out on the small balcony. And we were, we were preparing to bat. And the first ball of the, the test, it's, there's like this humming noise between, I don't know, 30,000 in. And when the bloke started running in, it just went deadpan. Like you could have dropped the pin and you would have been yeah. like, dropped the pin and it would have been able to hurt, hurt, hear it. And then as soon as that ball was bowled, all you could then hear was like champagne courts just <laughs> flying off genuinely all around the thing. Like everyone's settling in for a sort of 11 o'clock and all around the boundaries, all these corks and yeah, just things like that. I was, it was just amazing to almost, I was sat out and I was obviously watching the cricket, but I was also just watching the crowd, seeing, seeing what it was like, what international cricket was like. And it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Just absorbing. Cause it, cherish. Yeah. Um, and so what were you like, were the nerves or was it just a complete just look and just to try and absorb as much as possible and just kind of were you still in shock and just you said it went quickly but did it just cause just fly yeah. by or did you have time to process actually how big an occasion you were at for me i try and make sure that actually certainly that occasion obviously it's a big thing making your debut there's obviously a lot of people watching but i really tried to get into my own head and Certainly, I think after that phone call, I, all I was thinking was, oh, what an opportunity this is going to be and what an opportunity it's going to be and how fun it's going to be. I, not about those not, Swedish meatballs? No, nothing about that. The first thing I was thinking was getting out of Ikea and trying to tell my uh, mum and dad. But I, yeah, I really tried to just almost think of it as a great opportunity and only positives can come from it because it can be very daunting at times, especially sort of getting thrown into that how I sort of went about that certainly allowed me to have a bit of success. Nice. And you, you obviously incredible experience at Lords um, for your first couple of test matches, but then you also, you went on tour to um, South Africa over the winter, just gone, where obviously an incredibly entertaining series win uh, where England won three, one came from a one nil down as well. I mean, what was it like to tour South Africa over Christmas and new year as well? I mean, Surely that was surreal. There weren't many champagne bottles flying off out in the <laughs> <No>. <laughs> South Africa, surely. <laughs> Unfortunately not. There was, a, there was a lot more abuse, I reckon, in the, the staffers. <laughs> no, mate, again, I got called up quite late to that. So I think I flew home. I, so I was actually in India with a sort of a training camp with the England uh, Lions. And I flew home 22nd of December. And before I knew it, I was on a plane on the 23rd landed Christmas Eve and then was there and then obviously we played after Christmas Day or no we played on Christmas Day I think I, it was all a bit of a blur to be honest I remember like the thing I remember is landing in everyone was ill sitting yeah. down on a table Christmas Day with Stuart Broad 
lads like this and I was like what is going on here <laughs> so we had a Christmas party so we had all of them I was thinking this is crazy um, so you do then, still yeah, celebrate so, Christmas even though you're kind of you know you got yeah, so we did, so we did a training yeah we had um, so Boxing Day test we, we trained in the morning um, everyone had a secret Santa so that was quite entertaining so after training we had a secret Santa in the change rooms what, what did you and get this was your secret Santa yeah, <laughs> yeah. what did you so, get yeah, and because, <laughs> so because I was late me and Craig Overton did each other, but we didn't know if that. So obviously we got handed out. Yeah. We just went in. So that was quite fortunate, I think. Someone you we know, Elizabeth. So yeah. I, yeah, well, what did you got, get him? I thought, did I get Craig? Oh, I tell you what, I did. I got him a gun pair of socks. So I'm quite big on my socks. I got him a really nice pair of socks because I knew if he didn't like them, I'd have them. And it was quite tactical <laughs> for me. <laughs> and do you know like what? It. Funny enough, he got me a gun pair of socks so i was happy and then he got me a book as well so i think he got me an autobiography i can't remember who he got me now but the funniest one going around was there was some matt parkinson one of the lads got from the south african security guard obviously they didn't know each other at all he got given a basically a charity like he had paid around it was about 30 quid's worth of like, charity so he just gave it donation. and then he, he got, he got, yeah, he donation. He got the receipt. She was like, what is this? Was like, oh, on, on his behalf, he got a donation. It's like, what is going on? So I, I, he was I, pretty flat about that. Yeah. A little idea for you. If, you, if you're on tour every Christmas next time, I um, I was inspired by my flatmate, actually. I'll shout out to, to Bertie Griffiths. He, um, he, for my office, uh, Secret Santa this year, we had a £10 uh, maximum spend. And so he went on Skyscanner, did a one-way um, one-way search to see how far he can get the 10 quid. And um, <laughs> so I got one of my colleagues a £9.99 one-way flight to Stockholm, which, uh, so, which <laughs> so, so at least didn't, yeah. didn't take it up. So uh, if, you, if you fancy, if you get someone who maybe you're not, not a massive fan of, you want to get them out of the country, just um, put them a one-way flight at some point for, for a very, couple of quid. Very, very good idea, that. <laughs> Boys will get around that as well, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. So, Don, yeah, yeah. tell us more about being on tour. Well, what's it like? Do you get days off? Do you get to go on nights out, have a few drinks with the boys or...? Obviously, with the incident that happened a couple of years ago uh, within the ECB, there was a curfew brought in. So nights out, probably not as much now, but we do make sure that we have, I think at times, obviously, especially being on tour and it being a long tour, she allowed a couple of beers and stuff. And I think certainly after the wins, we, um, we make sure we celebrate it. But I wouldn't say going out, we wouldn't be going out. And on tour, to be fair, it's such a busy schedule when you do get time off, it's some of the lads just chill. Some of the, I think quite a few of the lads obviously bring their PS4 and Xbox over and <laughs> make sure they're uh, concentrating on that. But a lot of the lads also play a lot of golf. Um, I'm not actually into that. So when I'm sort of away, I quite like to, especially when you're away in different countries, go and try and see a bit of the culture and see what you can get up to. And I know obviously when we were down in Cape Town, don't know if you guys have ever been. It's unbelievable, been, yeah. and it's obviously with unreal. all, yeah, all the beaches, Camps Bay, everything like that. It's it's obviously a great place to um, tour. And if there was ever probably one place I'd love to tour, it'd obviously be Australia. But South Africa is certainly right up there. And it was it, it the funny. I I didn't realise how busy the schedule, international schedule is, and all the training at times as well. I I was coming out of training sessions. I was just knackered. So it's it's quite a 
I does, think it's quite key to get does, the... Does um, the training intensity increase as well with England or is it kind of... Uh, yeah. Still, in, really, um, there's that kind of level yeah, of just... And the first thing I did really notice when I went into the camp a couple of years back and played, made my test debut, it was, wow, these guys are quality. And I, and I did feel a little bit out of my depth, but I love that challenge. And I certainly feel the more I obviously train with them, the better you're going to get. So... I do love training with these guys. Obviously, we've seen what Stokes has done this year. Like you see him at training, and he is different gravy. But also the standard over everyone—it's so good. Yeah. Um, you've got the likes of him, and then you've got the likes of Joe Root and the other net, and then Butler, and you've got to bowl at these lads. And if you don't bowl well, you certainly go fetching fetching the ball. <laughs> and that is that is one big thing that me and me and Matt Parkinson we bowled obviously a lot together as with spinners lad from Lancashire and mate we we get on really well and know him for a long time and it was funny at times because we'd bowl a good ball and it would go so far <laughs> yes. and like the looks on our faces were like oh my god we've got to go fetch it now like, yeah. it was funny there were times where it was very funny don't just have a little pile of balls next to you so you don't have to keep oh, going back and we, forth we had a bag full <laughs> I reckon we had we had our net bowlers instead of bowling we had them fielding for us <laughs> but well that, that's yeah <laughs> great to hear the insight um Right, well, we'll quickly finish, um, if you don't mind. We've got a little quick yeah. fire question round, and we'll quickly go. We've got ten questions, and uh, just a very just first name or item or something which comes to your mind. If you don't want to answer, just say pass. But um, <laughs> we'll see how we'll see, we'll see how it goes down. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, All right, ready. Best player to tour with, Mark Wood. What's your beer of choice in a pub? I'd go cider and I'd go Thatcher's. Nice. <laughs> uh, who was your hero growing up? Oh, Graham Swan. Who's the funniest in the dressing room? Yeah, Mark Wood. Quietest in the dressing room? Joffre Archer. Best person to go for a pint with? Jack Maunder. I really enjoy going with him. <laughs> <laughs> Worst lid in the dressing room? Oh, probably me, mate. <laughs> uh, what football team do you support? Oh, I don't. I'm going to say, just don't. Uh, worst band in the dressing room? Matt Parkinson, but it's that bad, I enjoy it. <laughs> and um, who's, who's the best in the gym? Who can bench the most? Ben Stokes. Fair enough. God, good there answers. Go. So not a football fan. Sorry, it wasn't even, even quick fire, that. We're in the game slow fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Dom, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on the S Word podcast. It's been been a lot of fun. I hope you listeners have enjoyed um, getting insight into Dom's experiences so far as well. So yeah, thanks for your time, Dom, and good luck with everything. And hope you go well, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you very Cheers. much, Dom. Really appreciate it. So for this part of the podcast, we like to discuss the members' articles, which you, our members, have submitted. This week, Cameron Carr submitted the uncut Bundesliga gems. Wilson, what, Wilson, what are your views? Do, do you agree? Well, I thought it was a very topical uh, release from Cameron, actually, because obviously it's looking like the Bundesliga, well, it's actually almost certainly going to be Bundesliga, which is going to be the first major league to um, recommence. I mean, it will be behind closed doors obviously, but still to get a bit of football back on our screens, I think suddenly it might be the time that the whole world becomes Bundesliga fans and Cam identifies these six talents which you may not have heard of before, all between like 19, 20-year-olds and he thinks are going to be future stars. Particularly liked the striker decision of Marcus Churam, um, the six-foot-four striker who plays for Mutschengladbach, who is, um, he's, I mean, he's destined to be a superstar and picked up by 
a bigger club than Mütchen Gladbach. Even though Mütchen Gladbach's big, but for those who haven't been following the Bundesliga, Bundesliga is it's a nail-biting four-way title race um, at the moment. So if and when it resumes very shortly, it's definitely worth looking into um, trying to become a fan of the Bundesliga, become a fan of one of the teams, or just read Cam's article and just learn about some of the players which you may not have heard of before. But then also we had a release from Luke Perkins um, talking about Lance Armstrong. He's obviously everyone knows the Lance Armstrong story, but you're a keen cyclist yourself, Rory. Um, so he goes into just how obsessive you can be well, firstly, can you talk about how obsessed you, you would you be to actually become the best in that sport? And secondly, just, you know, has the, has the sport of cycling been affected since Lance Armstrong? You've obviously been following me far too much on Strava, Will, so you must be very impressed, I'm sure. You've seen the, the, the metres gained uphill. One thing I find is actually unbelievable is when looking at the, reading this article, but looking further, do you know what the average speed that Lance rode the Tour de France in? <laughs> no, but I'd love to know because I've seen how slow your average speed is. 25.9 miles an hour. So just slower than my average speed. It's incredible. <laughs> just um, slower. <laughs> so to get to the, I mean, I think to get to the top of every sport is incredible. I think, you know, it's hard to tell, you know, what you'd do to do it because only the best can do it. And obviously Lance has been tarnished with a few things throughout his career. But <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> to, say, to say the least, I mean. But I think it's just an incredible, I mean, for any athlete to get to the top of their game is unbelievable. And it must take huge dedication to get no, I, 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 no, I completely disagree because the, he's, he's saying how he's got that great comeback and he's got to the top of his sport. But it's not through natural methods at all. He's, he's been cheating. So you can't say how it's incredible to get to the top of your sport because he's done it by cheating so it's yes it's incredible for other athletes to get to the top of the sport whether it's Nicole David like we had on last last week's podcast being a world champion for eight times out of ten in, in ten years but I think this not impressive at all for Lance Armstrong and he kind of had a big spiel about it was the biggest comeback in sports when he came back from his cancer but no one no one clocked at the time that the re well this is speculating here and maybe slightly controversial but one of the reasons why he might have got to stick the cancer in the first place was because of the um the illegal substances in his body. So there was a great quote saying, um, while the, the trial was going on to see whether he was going to be convicted of cheating or not, journalists was quoting saying, it's either going to be the greatest comeback in sporting history or the greatest fraud in sporting history. And obviously it turned out that it was a sporting fraud. I think what, what frustrates me the most about the Lance Armstrong story is that, yes, he's now since owned up on the Oprah documentary, but the, mo- the worst thing about it is that he brought so many of his teammates down with him to make him be the best. Would, if you were in that position, or if you were the lead captain, let's say, of a, a sports team, would you put your other teammates at risk of their reputation just for your own personal gain? No. If I, if I was in his position, I would... I mean, it's easy to say this, of course. I mean, I've never been in his position and, you know, probably never will. Undoubtedly, think, of the Steve, think of the Steve Smith situation. Steve Smith bringing down Cameron Bancroft with the sandpaper gate. Would you have done that as a cricket captain? I think, I think, it's, I think a lot is obviously not reported by the media. I think over time, the full truth comes out. And I hope that has come out. And you know what? I think Steve Smith, we never really know. Did, were they involved? Did he drag them down? Or was he coerced into it? One question I would ask you though, Wilson, is Obviously, Lance went such a long time without being noticed or tested for drugs. 
do you think there are athletes in today's world who are taking drugs but haven't been found out yet and which might over time come out with new science yeah i mean yeah inevitably there will be sadly because I don't know. The science, the science is getting more and more advanced in terms of stopping these um, these athletes being athletes being tracked. So um, I will, you know, you hope it wouldn't be that many, but there's inevitably going to be a couple out there. But I think the sad thing is, is that any of these um, good like sportsmen who are the top in their game, whether it's in cycling or athletics, in, athletics in particular, they are often accused of taking drugs. I mean, Usain Bolt, for example, obviously by far one of the greatest, or by far the best sprinter that ever so far above everyone else there are questions i'm sure whether he has and you know what i think everyone especially athletics fans hope he hasn't but questions surely must be raised and also for for the likes of roger federer to stay at such a you know high level for so long especially at his age compared to the much younger youth questions i mean questions definitely have been asked but i think that's one of the main points of luke's article is because because Lance Armstrong has cheated so dramatically um, back in the day when it came to the Tour de France wins, that these athletes like Roger Federer, even though they've trained hours and hours, they're top of their sport, they're the most talented in what they do, they may be um, accused of um, potentially cheating, which I think is so unfair. Which I think Lance Armstrong's obviously tarnished cycling a fair amount with the accusations of um, doping, but I think, I think it's literally what he has done has spread into other sports because it's so easy just to accuse other sportsmen and when they're at the top of the game, when they're, they're smashing records left, right and centre, that they, they can suddenly be, you can put it down to drugs rather than actually just hard work and talent. But I thought, yeah, really, really good article from um, Luke. And um, no, from the two of us, we were both, uh, both like to get out on the bike now um, during lockdown, don't we? Um, obviously less than an hour. So, um, so we found it fascinating uh, to get an insight and just, uh, yeah. The sport of cycling is a, is, a, is a great one indeed. But thanks for listening to the fourth podcast from The S Word. Um, I hope you enjoyed our interview with um, Don Bess. Um, we certainly did. And we've got some nice names uh, lined up for you in the future. But um, please keep submitting your members' articles and sign up to the Strava Club. As always, um, reached a 1,000 um, kilometres last week. And yeah, thanks for listening. And we hope to see you soon. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. achieved in this tournament had been easy and the final win was the most difficult of them all.